Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of December 2010. Newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourselves. There's hundreds of audio talks you can download for free. And remember too, all the sites you see listed there, the official sites that I have, carry transcripts in English of a lot of the talks as well. You can download them as well and print them up, pass them around to your friends. And if you want to get to... Um, Transcripts in other languages, you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu and you'll find a variety to choose from, a variety of languages to choose from there. So help yourselves. And remember too, to keep me going, uh, please buy the books and discs and so on that I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's the way I get through. I don't uh, ask the advertisers for money or they don't ask me anymore. Uh, actually, I have, I have a few offers recently, but um, I'd have to bring them on as guests and I'd be fooling you with an hour's ad. So therefore, remember the ads you hear in this show are paid by our, uh, to RBM directly from the advertisers to pay for the airtime and the staff and equipment, the broadcast and their bills. So help me out with mine and purchase the books you'll find at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Now remember too, from the US to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office. You can use PayPal to order or donate. Just use the donation button and then send a separate email with your name, address and order and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, you're, you're really stuck with Western Union. You can use, um, as for straight wire that is. You can also use MoneyGram, which can do the same apparently. Uh, and the MoneyGram also can give you a check which you can post which will take about a week, and it's a lot cheaper. You can use PayPal to order, just uh, uh, send the donation and follow it up by an email with the name, address, and the order on it, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. And remember, two donations are accepted, uh, just straight donations, and it doesn't matter if it's a dollar, two dollars, whatever, a month, because if everyone, or even half the folk, even a quarter of the folk who listened uh, sent in uh, that every month, I'd be... I wouldn't have the worries I have now with all the sites I got up and so on and the costs and bills, etc. It's up to you if you want to keep me going. This is alternate news. I go into the mainstream too, but I, sh- I break it down and show you what they're really meaning by adding additional information which the, the media uh, happens to cut out so that you don't get the full picture. And of course you think you're informed, but in reality you've just been conned by getting half a story or half the facts to do with any particular story. The media is an essential arm of government. That's why media barons get knighted for doing a darn good job in going along with the big world agenda. Not the world agenda that most folk think. It's not, um, it's not just it's a Marxist and so on. It's a, a new system where the big banking boys and their minions underneath them, all countries' minions, or tops of the minions, I should say, are on board to fill their own pockets naturally, with, for their families for here and ever to come 
with uh, a lavish lifestyle is to bring down the basically not just the working classes, the middle class too must be eradicated, they've said, in this new age of global managers. And that's really what we're living right th- through right now, is the age of global management. The UN was set up to do this task with all the help from the non-governmental organizations, set up and funded by you, the taxpayer, uh, that's where a lot of the money comes from, to Basically, it's your own demise you're paying for. You don't know you're doing it because your governments won't generally tell you, but you can find out how much your own government gives to the radical groups. And they must be radical for radical change. That's how you get their big grants for these tax-free NGOs. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix just talking about the the real world. The real world is very hard to get a hold of because it's so elusive and the job of mainstream media is to make it elusive and to give you simplistic, uh, nondescript answers on any particular major topic because they want you to float through life uh, without objection, uh, causing your masters as least uh, problems as possible. And their job is also to misinform you so you think you're informed and all you and your friends will chat about misinformation and that's how it really works. People think we're all chatting the same data and we're all sane and it must be true. And of course it never occurs to you that you've been told maybe half the facts on anything so that you will come to the desired conclusion. So technically you're insane. (laughs) Technically you're insane. Now this con at Cancun is quite something else because it's just one of many World United Nations meetings have had before. Remember, the UN was set up by bankers and the big foundation boys like Rockefeller and the Milner Group in London, England, which became the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which has the American branch called the CFR. And they have literally run the whole last century and they're running this century as well. They draft up the treaties for amalgamations of countries into blocks like European Union. They drafted it up. They also drafted up the one for the, the North American amalgamation as well. And they came on television in 2005 as the Council on Foreign Relations and told us that. And, and the guy who led them off then was um, Axworthy, I think his name was, who had been the assistant or vice prime minister of Canada, who also was a member of the CFR. No conflict there, of course. No conflict at all, is there? But that's how you run by stealth and deception because this is a big, old, old plan. Carl Quigley went through it. He said eventually the, the parallel governments will run the world. It has been already. The parallel government consists of non-governmental organizations, which are consist of armies of followers and a bunch of high-paid people at the top who live in skyscrapers. They have full-time pensions, and they call themselves charities. So they're run by the foundations. And the foundations are part of the big parallel government that Quigley talked about. They don't have to um, ask permission to do anything that they want to do. It's always under the guise of charity, you see, and doing good for the world. And no one questions them. They've got a form of immunity. But they're they're members too are members of the Council on Foreign Relations. 
And the Council on Foreign Relations also put politicians in at the top of all parties as well. That's explained in Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment by Professor Carl Quigley, who was the official historian for that group. But Cancun, of course, is about the redistribution of wealth. Uh, One of the planks of the Communist Manifesto, if you didn't know, read the Communist Manifesto. It's not difficult to read. It's very simplistic, written by an idiot called Karl Marx. At least he got the credit for it. Many years after it was out, uh, he eventually put his name on it. And he was funded by Mr. Rothschild in Britain and others, other big bankers as well. Now, it's the redistribution of wealth that was their main objection, um, objective here, and they've been successful. Of course, everybody's heard, I'm sure, how much money that you will all have to fork out to what the claim is to the poorer nations. So the bankrupt nations have to fork out cash to the poorer nations um, to bring them up to a higher living standard as you go down. I told you that years ago, that was always what they'd said at the United Nations. And one of the, mem- the people who attended it was Christopher Monckton. You've all heard of him, of course, who broke ranks with aristocracy and came forward and talked about it. He said, in this article here, he said, I usually add some gentle humor when I report, not today, read this and weep. Uh, notwithstanding the carefully orchestrated propaganda to the effect that nothing much will be decided at the UN Climate Conference here in Cancun, the decisions to be made here this week signal nothing less than the abdication of the West. It's over. The governing class in what was once proudly known as the free world is silently, casually letting go of liberty, prosperity, and even democracy itself. No one in this mainstream media will tell you this, not so much because you do not see as because they do not bloody care. This is what he says. And he says, um, the 33-page note from the, this big long name by the chairman of the Ad Hoc Working Group on Long-Term Cooperative Action under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, which is entitled Possible Elements of the Outcome, reveals all, or rather it reveals nothing, because they, they, they write in such obscure language, it's all bureaucraties. And it's always a deception. And he goes on to explain this here. He says, it reveals nothing unless one understands what the complex, obscure jargon means. All United Nations FCCC documents at the Cancun conference, specifically including possible elements of the outcome, are drafted with what is called transparent impenetrability. So you can't see through it. Transparent is an oxymoron, you see. It says, uh, the intention is that the documents should, should not be understood, but that later we should be told they were in the public domain all the time. So what are we complaining about? Since the chairman's note is not very long, I shall summarize the main points. Finance, Western countries will jointly provide $100 billion a year per year. The ones that are all bankrupt have to borrow money to give to this organization, $100 billion a year, by 2020 to an unnamed new United Nations fund. They won't even tell you what it's called yet. It says, to keep this sum up with the GDP growth, the West may commit itself to pay 1.5% of the GDP to the UN each year. That's more than twice the the 0.7% of GDP that the UN has recommended the West pay in foreign aid for the past half century. Several hundreds of the provisions in the chairman's note will impose huge financial costs on the nations of the West. The world government 
Secretariat. In all but name, the United Nations Convention's Secretariat will become a world government directly controlling hundreds of global, supranational, uh, regional, national, and subnational bureaucracies. It will receive the vast sums of taxpayers' money, ostensibly paid by the West to the Third World, for apt- apt- uh, adaptation to the supposed adverse consequences of imagined and imaginary global warming. This is amazing. This is the coldest winter we've had for years. Uh, they've got the troops out on the streets in Britain to help uh, with the snow. And I woke up uh, this morning to four feet drifts in my back door and had to dig my way out. It was 15 below last night with an Arctic wind coming from the north. Anyway, bureaucracy says... Hundreds of new interlocking bureaucracies answerable to the world government secretariat will vastly extend its power and reach. In an explicit mirroring of the European Union's method of enforcing the will of its unelected commissars on the groaning peoples of that benighted continent, the civil servants of nation states will come to see themselves as servants of the greater empire of the secretariat, carrying out its ukases and diktats wherever the will of the nation states governments whatever it says, of the, the United States uh, governments. Many of the new bureaucracies are disguised as capacity-building in developing countries. This has nothing to do with growing the economies or industries of poorer nations. It turns out to mean that installation of hundreds of bureaucratic offices answerable to the Secretary in numerous countries around the world. So we're paying for a massive bureaucracy. This is what it's really about, to be uh, set up in all of these different countries all answerable to the United Nations. This is the takeover, folks. This is the official implementation of what the United Nations was set up to do. This private organization, remember, this United Nations, this corporation, this, this place without a country that has special status, is going to be the initial, at least the initial name for this world government empire. It says, do you, general taxpayer, uh, Babylon, Byzantium, the, the later Ottoman Empire, the formidable bureaucracy of Nazi Germany, the vast empire of 27,000 paper shufflers at the European Union, add all of these together and multiply by a hundred, and you still don't reach the sheer size, cost, power and reach of these new subsidiaries of the Secretariat. In addition to multiple new bureaucracies in every one of the 193 states' parties to the Convention, there would be an adaptation framework body, a least developed countries adaptation body, an adaptation committee, regional network centers, and international center to enhance adaptation research. National adaptation institutions are body to clarify assumptions and conditions in national greenhouse gas emission reduction pledges, a negotiating body for an overall level of ambition for aggregate emission reduction, that's very transparently, and individual targets, an office to revise guidelines for national communications, so all your national communications will be under the United Nations, folks, a multilateral communications process office, a body for the process to develop modalities and guidelines for the compliance process, that will be finding in laws and the rest of it, a registry of nationally appropriate mitigations actions by developed countries, a body to supervise a process for understanding diversity of mitigation across <laughs> submitted and supported needed, a body to develop modalities for the registry of nationally appropriate mitigation actions, an office of international consult- consultation and analysis, an office to conduct a work program for development for various modalities and guidelines, 
a network of developing countries' national uh, forest strategy, action plan offices, a network of national forest reference emission level and or forest reference level bodies. And it goes on and on. I can't read it all. There's so many of them. You're looking at a whole massive world bureaucracy who will live high on the hog. They don't pay these guys peanuts. And uh, you're paying for it all. All of you who were told, oh, half a million dollars to a million dollars each in debt, supposedly because of the bank crashes and, and, and the government's borrowing, have to pay for all of this. And it's nothing to do with greening the planet, as they say. It's building up an incredible, massive army for a government to control the whole world. Back with more after this break. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I'm reading an article by Christopher Monkton, who's laying it on the line as to what this is all about. And remember, it's really set up by the same guys who brought you the the European Union, uh, an idea, of course, that Karl Marx came up with in the 1800s. He also wanted a a United American bloc as well, and a Far Eastern bloc. And, of course, the Council on Foreign Relations have been working quietly for over a hundred years to make all of that happen. For those who don't know it, read Carl Quigley's books. I've mentioned them so many times before. He was the historian for this organization with unlimited funding. That's how these guys run the big foundations. And eventually these blocks were to be run by uh, a super world government. Well, this is what's happening now. You're seeing the rise of the Phoenix right, right in front of you. And it was designed, as I say, a long time ago, and they're overjoyed that it's coming up to its full power. They have all departments that you have in your own country, Department of Agriculture and so on. They have a separate one there that will be dishing out all your laws on food and eating and consumption of energy and so on. He goes on to say in the article here, the world's government's powers, the world government's powers for the hard of thinking. The Secretariat will have the power not merely to invite nation-states to perform their obligations, under the Climate Change Convention, but to compel them to do so, they'll have legal force. Nation-states are to be ordered to collect, compile, and submit vast quantities of information. That's all on you too, everyone in you. In a manner and form to be specified by the Secretariat and its growing army of subsidiary bodies. Between them, they will be given new powers to verify the information, to review it, and on the basis of that review, to tell nation-states what they can and cannot do. And it into continuous expansion. The verb enhance in its various forms occurs at least 28 times in the chairman's notes. Similar verbs such as strengthen and extend and adjectives such as scaled up and additional are also frequently deployed, particularly in relation to funding at the expense of Western taxpayers. If all of the enhancements proposed in the note were carried out, the costs would comfortably exceed the annual $100 billion or, for that matter, the 1.5% of GDP that the note mentions as the cost to the West over the coming decade. 
Then he goes into intellectual property and inventions. Hundreds of patents, particularly in the fields related to global warming and its mitigation, will be obliged to transfer the benefits of their inventiveness to developing countries without payment of royalties. This is nowhere explicitly stated in the chairman's notes, but the transfer of technology is mentioned about 20 times in the draft, suggesting that the intention is still to carry out the explicit provision in the defunct Copenhagen Treaty draft of 15 September 2009 to this effect. And what I'll be too, you see, uh, as they get us all off the road over here, and that, that is part of the Agenda 21 Millennial Project, Sustainable Development, get you off the roads. I guess we can give our cars to the third world countries so as they can scoot around a bit and have fun while the gasoline lasts. Insurance, it says, the Secretary proposes in, in effect to interfere so greatly in the operation of worldwide insured mar- or insurance markets that will cease to be a free market with the usual severely adverse consequences to everyone in that market. The free market, the failed Copenhagen Treaty draft stipulated that the government that would be established would have the power to set the rules of all formerly free markets. There were no such thing as free markets anymore. In Cancun, the chairman's note merely says that various market mechanisms may be exploited by the Secretariat and by the parties to the convention, but reference to these market mechanisms are frequent enough to suggest that the intention remains to stamp out free markets worldwide. That is the intention. It's like free trade that comes from the United Nations too, set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, London. It's not free at all. They decide who gets to trade and who doesn't. Of course, it's always the big internationals, because they're all members of the same organization. And it says, knowledge is power. The chairman's note contains numerous references to a multitude of new as well as existing obligations on nation states to provide information to the secretariat in a form and manner which it will dictate. The hand of the EU is very visible here. It grabbed power from the member states in the four stages first acting merely as a secretariat to ensure stable supplies of coal and steel to build Europe after the Second World War, then as a registry requiring member states to supply it with ever more information, then as a review body determining, determining on the basis of the information supplied by the member states whether they were complying with their obligations in the ever lengthier and more complex body of European treaties. And finally, as the ultimate law-making authority to which all elected parliaments explicitly including the European Parliament, were and are subject. Under the Cancun proposals, the Secretariat is following the path that the plague of the EU officials here have no doubt eagerly advised it to follow. It's the same format they're telling you as to set up the EU super parliament, the super Soviet parliament. That's how they're doing it. They never change something that works, you see. Why change it? It works the last time on, on that group. Propaganda. The chairman's note contains several mentions of the notion that the peoples of the world need to be told more about climate change. Here, too, there's a parallel with the EU, which administers a propaganda fund of some $250 million a year, purely to advertise its own wonderfulness to an increasingly skeptical population. This is just the Soviet Union, folks. The IPCC, whose chairman is a a, a trade engineer, already spends millions every year with PR agencies, uh, asking them to find new ways of making its blood-curdling message more widely understood and feared amongst ordinary people. Back with more of this incredible piece after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. I let the guitar wheel on there because it's a kind of a wheeling night, you know, because it's one thing to know this stuff coming down and you've studied it for so long. It, nothing is, takes you by surprise. Nothing at all, unfortunately, takes you by surprise. You know what's coming up. You've read all their papers, all their agendas, and these guys mean business. They've never, ever gone back on any particular agenda, especially the big, important ones to do with world governments and the planned society. And I'll put all these links up of the articles I mention at, up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show once I start uploading. And here's another one, too, I'll put up. It's, it's uh, from The Guardian. Now, The Guardian is, is, is almost an arm of the United Nations. It's, it's uh, comprised, really, of the Trotskyist uh, communist group, and that really runs a lot of this at the bottom level, the working groups. Uh, the, the Trotskyist in nature, what they call ever, ever, on, ever, or non-ceasing revolution is what they really say, speeding up the the evolution of where the planet would go if it, if it uh, was left to its own devices. So they're just taking shortcuts and forcing on the evolution into a society with little sustained communities, communitarian living, and um, all under the super government of the United Nations. And they go on with their usual dripping stuff and lies and so on. This particular bunch in this article, too, will put up this on climate change. And they're also going into depopulation because behind the whole environment movement, you got to remember in the 70s and the 60s, they never talked about the weather. It hadn't, hadn't hit them then. It was the Club of Rome, one of their think tanks, that came up with the idea of global warming. They said that would fit the bill to make the world change in their direction. And... Um, and so they did lie, and they keep lying about it as the world is freezing. And uh, it doesn't matter as long as they get it all through. So then I went and back to their, their, their real goal. You see, the real goal again is massive depopulation. And this article from Sunday the 12th of December from The Guardian uh, really praises Malthus and so on and says, my God, look at all the people on the planet. Then they go on to the, 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 the Western nations Who've been, whose, whose home populations have been dropping, plummeting for many, many, many years. And the United Nations itself has to admit that, but they also want massive immigration to give you the appearance that you're overcrowded. And that's how they've been doing that for years too. So I'll put that one up as well for you to peruse. And for those in America who think that nothing much is happening and they haven't heard much more about the, the free trade negotiations of into the amalgamation part of it, at least with amalgamated Americas. No, not true at all. Uh, they haven't, haven't mentioned, of course, they had their tenth, uh, their fifth meeting this year, a very important one. They've been signing agreements with the President of the U.S., the Prime Minister of Canada and Mexico for the last five years, openly in public now. They had dozens of them done in secrecy leading up to 2005. But the latest one is to do with really the amalgamation and it says here, if you really understand what they're saying, it says, um, Tories, that's a conservative party in power at the moment, or at least the front men, 
to announce deal forming North America Perimeter. Now, they had that out in 2005, too. Uh, they called it the Fortress America. And from that deal, that signature, when they all got together at Waco and signed the deal, they started integrating even the taxes and imports for the two countries sharing them. They also said, too, that um, uh, high-level bureaucrats in Canada could apply for high-level bureaucratic jobs in Washington, D.C., and vice versa. We're integrating, you see. Uh, the FBI and CSIS in Canada, the RCMP, could share the same crime databases and the same um, immigration bases at the borders and so on. In other words, they're sharing all the data together. We are integrated. When they integrate economics and your your um, all your, your, your privacy laws go out the window and you're all sharing the same computers on every citizen of the three countries, you are amalgamated. So here's the latest one. They're announcing the North America perimeter, they're calling it. So just like the UN, they, they give you double speak, they give you obscure language, which always means a lot more than what they're telling you. A soon-to-be-announced security and trade deal between Canada and the U.S. is designed in part to allow people and goods to flow more freely within the continent. So that's for the general people at the bottom. Oh, that's nice, you know, that's pretty good, eh? eh? How's the Jays doing, eh? Anyway, then they go on to the real story. And it says that the Conservative government is set to announce a landmark security. It's a landmark security, remember, and trade deal with the United States designed to create a perimeter around North America and allow people and goods to flow more freely across the border. Sources suggest that Prime Minister Stephen Harper and President Barack Obama will sign the broad-ranging agreement in Washington as early as next month. I love, see, they're doing this the same way as Britain always did it. They're, they give you the press release in advance of it happening because, you see, it's a done deal. All they, they turn up to do is have a big feast, just like um, they do at Cancun, and sign the deals. All the bureaucrats have been working for a year before. They call them Sherpas, by the way, the guys who go back and forward for a year or two, get, arranging all the deals, drafting up the, the stuff they'll agree on, and then they have their big parties, and then that's the ones you hear about, where they stuff themselves with 14-course meals, have lots of brandy, and they, they, they hire prostitutes, male and female, to serve the dignitaries of various countries. That is a fact. It's been in the paper. Anyway, back to the story. It says, it's, it's big on deals, but maybe not so great on details. No, it won't. You won't hear the details until, just like the Cancun uh, and Christopher Moncton said, about a year, maybe five years later. It said one person familiar with the negotiation, but, but it does use the word perimeter many times. The question is, will it reduce the compliance burden at the Canada-U.S. border? No, you, we're all one now, really, you see. The new border version is being billed as a 21st century border management system that will include new common consumer pr- product regulations. That's all your ID, the smart ID comes in. They've got them in all other countries in Europe already. A pre-clearance agreement for goods crossing the border to expedite waiting times and the use of advanced technology to utilize biometric data for travelers at airports and land crossings, according to f- people familiar with the plan. Now, the British government tried to introduce this same ID card before 9-11 happened, a couple of years before it. And it's, it was stated on uh, the show that it contains your, all your biometric data, medical records, stuff that you're not allowed to know as well, the government has on you, whatever it happens to be. And it's also to be your bank card eventually. They're already using this system in a few countries in Europe. So it's banking card, total ID card, uh, and everything. And it's got an active chip in it, by the way, for tracking. 
That was explained in Canada when they did the trial uh, of this particular card in 2008 on a CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, show called As It Happens on radio. And they used Burnaby, B.C. as a testing ground for it. They always test it out first in an area or a city. It says a new framework will likely be discussed when the U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton oh, visits Ottawa this Monday, but government sources said the announcement will not be made by Mrs. Clinton, uh, or Mrs. Clinton says here, a spokesman for the public safety minister, Vic Toes, says, Vic Toes, I wonder if he can stretch down, no such announcement, announcement is planned. We don't comment on hearsay or speculation. A spokeswoman for the U.S. Embassy in Ottawa refused to comment. It's all public relations. We can't get straight answers from anybody. It all goes through public relations. Colin Robertson, a senior research fellow with the Canadian Defence and Foreign Affairs Institute, said the agreement is an attempt by the Canadian government to link security to improved access to the U.S. for Canadians. That's what he's telling you. But this guy belongs to a military contractor. So who are you going to believe, eh? Perimeter is a vital word because back in the Cretan government days, we couldn't use it because we get caught up in the sovereignty allergy we too often have. So we're okay to accept the loss of sovereignty now, he's telling you. The sovereignty allergy? People fought world wars to keep their sovereignty. Now it's, it's an allergy. It's all oh, last century to, to believe in a nation, isn't it? So this character goes on to say it makes a lot of sense to, to have it, you know. The U.S. announced a similar deal with Mexico in March. What a coincidence, eh? It included moves to expedite travel and commerce, such as secure transit lanes for pre-cleared uh, cleared rail and truck shipments, as well as passenger pre-clearance for individuals. So, says the U.S. and Canada have taken piecemeal steps to coordinate their efforts against common threats like terrorism. <laughs> Last year, Canada signed one onto the Nexus membership card and free and secure trade which is fast, they call it, free and secure trade. Trusted traveler programs as a valid means of identification at the border. However, more sweeping agreements have foundered in the past, notably the Security and Prosperity Partnership. Well, that went down with the bankers, eh? And when the banks went down, agreement signed in 2005 by former Prime Minister Paul Martin, ex-U.S. President George Bush, and former Mexican President Vincente Fox. So anyway... It's uh, the end of sovereignty, folks. If you can't figure that out, you have to do a lot more digging to find out what they're really on about because it's loss of sovereignty. And we already know that U.S. Uh, uh, police can come across the border in Canada now to arrest people and vice versa, apparently. Just like Europe. Just like the Europol in Europe. Same thing. So, uh, for, uh, I'll tell you, what can you do? Uh, you're not run by governments to represent you. Uh, they're all shows owned by the same guys who own the foundations. Because I've had this in the works for over a hundred years, this amalgamation. They set up the, the House of the Americas in Washington, D.C. in 1912, I think it was, whose goal it was to amalgamate the Americas. Yeah. Massive building, you should have a look at it on the internet. I'm also putting up a link to do with TSA scanners and how terahertz waves tear apart human DNA. For anybody who really cares, I think I don't think most folk really care these days if they're going to end up with cancers and so on and how it's, it's literally disrupting the DNA in the cells itself as you go through them. So I'll put this link up as well to you for your perusal. also want to touch on one I'll put up as well. 
It's called Navy Research Paper, Disrupt Economies with Man-Made Floods and Droughts. And this is um, it's an old wire document, actually, 2008. I recently unearthed the U.S. Navy Research Project calls for creating man-made floods and droughts to disrupt the economy of an enemy state. Well, that's weather warfare. And I've touched on weather warfare before in the treaties that were signed back in the 70s at the United Nations by the U.S., Britain, and a whole bunch of countries. They, they already had it uh, then, you see. That's why you sign an agreement uh, and a treaty, because you've already got them back then. Uh, it says, weather modification was used successfully in Vietnam. That's true. That was a more, uh, an easier way of doing it then, a more primitive way. And it says... Um, but since the, that time, the military research on weather modification has dwindled. Next, well, it's not dwindled. We see the skies getting sprayed every day. The proposal suggests a, a study of the latest weather manipulation techniques to give the U.S. military a viable state-of-the-art weather modification capability again. That means more of, with that in hand, American forces would be able to impede or deny the movement of personnel and material because of rains, floods, snow, blizzards, etc. Mason, this morning, as I say, you dig out under four feet of snow, and um, 15 below uh, degrees, below freezing. And you see all these contrails, these chemtrails up in the sky, all across the sky. And they kept doing it all day once the, the clouds disappeared. That's all you saw. But what a, that's just a coincidence. That's just paranoid thinking connecting those two, isn't it? To disrupt the economy due to the effects of floods, drought, etc., the proposal is undated, but it's pretty clear from the Cold War. Not only is the Soviet Union or Russia mentioned, the money is also relatively small by today's standards, less than a half million dollars over two years. Well, they'll be getting billions now. A military in-house newspaper calls weather modification an area of China Lake preeminence. By 49 and 78, China Lake developed concepts, techniques, and hardware that were successfully used in hurricane abatement. And by the way, they can also create hurricanes with it because that's also in the treaty at the United Nations. Look up all the different treaties of science since 1970 on this. Fog control and drought relief. They can give you floods, but they can also cause droughts. Military application of this technology was demonstrated in 1966 when Project Popeye was conducted to enhance rainfall to help interdict traffic on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And that's what they did. They flooded it so much that the that the the, the uh, Kong couldn't get through. They were squandering in the mud. In 1980, the U.S. states ratified uh, banning military weather manipulation, but they can do it on their own folks. Every treaty you sign at the United Nations excludes that. You can use it on your own people. For instance, in warfare, they've all, they all agreed years ago not to use hollow-point bullets. That From the, even the, the days of the League of Nations into the United Nations, they've had that on the books. But you can use hollow point bullets on your own citizenry by the police. Same thing, you can use weather warfare on your own people, but not abroad, they say. But every once in a while, someone in the armed uh, forces floats the idea of doing it again. Our vision is that by 2025, the military could influence the weather. Well, they've, they've had that ability on a long scale. On a mesoscale, theater-wide, or microscale, immediate local area to achieve operational capabilities. They've had that for years, folks. A 1996 Air Force Commission study reads, today Chinese, are, that's what it reads, actually. So, so they've had that for years on the go, and we see the effects of it too. They hoped to initially cause global warming by putting out the polymer stuff that you were seeing back in 98, 99, up to about 2003. That was that hazy blue stuff. 
it was like polythene, uh, to look, looking through polythene. And of course, what it, it did was really act like a magnifying glass, intensify the sun's rays. And then they started spraying the other stuff, which um, gives, a, gives even worse effects on the lungs, etc., for those who are underneath it. But uh, that's just the way it goes. Now, I've talked too about them getting people off the land, Agenda 21, Millennium Project, Sustainable Development, all these terms used for the same thing. And here's an article from Detroit. This is an interview with the Free Press. Bing stressed that no resident would be forced to move, but those who remain in areas outside the population centres, see they're creating population centres for us all to be crammed into, need to understand that they're not going to get the kind of services they require. In other words, if you don't move into these areas... Um, they're not going to maintain your roads. They're not going to maintain your water supply, uh, your, your electricity. They'll say it's unsustainable, you see. So it says we're going to be encouraging them to move and put themselves in a better situation, crowded amongst everybody else with their late-night parties and Europe at 7 in the morning and all that stuff. Uh, they're much better off moving into a more dense area so that we can provide them with the services they need. That would be water, sewer, lighting, public safety, all of that being said. We think that getting our city to be more dense with its population is the right route. So can you imagine the crime and the shootings, and, and you're supposed to put up with that, and I say the nightly parties and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, well, they know what it's going to cost. That's why the cops are really just a battalion to go in there and, and sort out all the rioting that will be happening inside of it and all the crime. The neighbor who's targeted for investment, which the administration will identify by spring, as part of the Detroit Works Project, are relatively stable with some vacant and foreclosed property. Mind you, they can't maintain it all now since all your tax money, what's left of it, is going abroad for, to help the, the global warming crew and their massive bureaucracy for the world. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to the callers, and there's Jay from Ohio. Is Jay there? Exactly, you know, it, coincidentally, I, you know, I'm trying to make my own newsletter, and, and weather modification is part of it, and if you just go, and I mean, the information's all there, it's ridiculous. To, yeah, you know, it been, yeah. It, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it, I, 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 you know, I listen to you every night, and and it's just like sometimes I just feel like it's just so hopeless. But then again, I think, you know, I I, I like G. Everett Griffin's description that, you know, I, you got to take the long view of it because um, the powers that be have taken hundreds of years to set this up, you know. Yeah, yeah, this is the whole thing to it. It was on the go before you were born, this agenda for the world government and all the things that were to come with it too. As I say, um, right down to even weather modification to alter the planet was discussed way back in the 50s. They used to have school uh, subjects on this kind of stuff, and the Soviets put out stuff as well on, on weather modification, even putting solar panels in the sky and the space that would reflect sunlight back in some areas, and even talked eventually they could have a great working population where there'd be no nighttime, and that was just a fantastic thing, they thought. So it's just astonishing we're living through it all, 
and being deceived again at the same time as they do it, even when they're telling us, oh, we're going to do geoengineering, like they haven't been doing it, you know. <laughs> That's just such a joke, sure. Yeah. It, it, it is. And, and do you, I mean, do you, I know, you know, you, you work tirelessly to, to get the information out. Do, do, do you think at some point, you know, maybe, I don't know, in a few generations that, you know, by planting the seeds that you do, that uh, a change can at some point come because it seems like over all these years and hundreds of years, like it just seems like these guys are un- unstoppable. You know. Yeah. Well, they're unstoppable only because they're they're backed by the same guys who are international money lenders who run uh, these characters. Literally, can break an economy overnight. Just two or three of them, like Soros, he's done that in Britain before and boasted about it in the newspaper how he did it. Uh, they can and they can also raise nations up into a higher status. And that's what they're doing with India and Brazil. They're going to make them a higher from third world countries up to first world countries or what used to be called first world, simply by putting our money into their countries as we go down the tubes. So it's, it's, that's how you build countries up or sink them. You either put money in or you take it out. And uh, that's what they're doing now. It might take a long time. It might, might take your back to the wall before people will start to ask the right questions when they're out of their comfort zone and they can't afford to live or eat or they're under the, the, the new Gestapo of environmentalism. Um, all of those things it might take before they start to, to talk about these subjects seriously and do something about it. I think yeah. that's what it's going to take, you know. That's what it would take, yeah. They're just too comfortable right now. Um, they haven't had the effects yet of what's coming down and will be coming down with massive taxes on everything shortly. But thanks for calling in. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.